Welcome everybody to Man Screwed, episode number 39. And we'd like to thank our friends at Channel Fireball and Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games for their support and all the podcasts on the MTGCast network that go along with this fine show to have some fun. But a lot like Monday Night Magic, which I was on this week, along with every other podcast, it seems like. Uh, I am joined by two two hosts this week. Um, you know him, you love him, you love him, or you hate him. He is Jack. And, you know, I might be the most hated man in Magic, but tonight we have a very, very special guest host. He is somebody we once called the angriest man in Twitter, but so far he's been every bit the gentleman. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the Dr. Jeebus. Hey, how's it going, everyone? All right. Well, this week we're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Paris this week, um, release day if anybody was at it. Um, talk about the new Channel Fireball podcast, a little Star City Games indie coverage, a little in, little interest about how Magic is done this year. We're going to talk a little bit about the Professor's Podcast, which is one of my personal favorites. A uh, little thing about Dual Decks allowing you to be Elk should be a part of it, and other things like Jack's new standard deck that he's going to be playing that we'll talk about near the end of the show. Sweet. Yes. And anything else Dr. Jeebus has to add to us in the middle of this wonderful show. So let's go Let's go to the fun part. All the pros are over in Paris. Things start tomorrow, or by the time this podcast gets up today. Um, Wine and cheese is going to be flowing in the streets. Yes, and kindly made it alive, and only had problems getting into his hotel room so far. But that's so no food mishaps, no random injuries with salsa bottles yet. I've got a feeling that there could be some, especially in Paris, with the stuff he could be doing. It could be very dangerous for him. But I'm so disappointed. But let's have some fun with this gentleman. Uh, Standards changing, obviously, as you notice with the insert. Insertion of besieged into it. Um, anybody want to predict on anything that's going to be a little different this weekend? Maybe a breakout deck that we're not expecting this weekend. We'll start with Jack. Anything you think that won't be expected this weekend? Um, I would love to say mono black control, but I have a rough feeling that that is just it. The, despite getting a recurrable sweeper and despite the very strong cards that are in that color right now, mm-hmm. I just feel as though that deck simply does not have enough cohesion to really make it an archetype yet. Um, I think you're still going to see a lot of the old standbys like blue-black control, uh, cargo, um, stuff like that. Uh, there might be a elf deck that shows up. I mean, because with Azuri Renegade later, there's just enough muscle for that deck to get out there and really pound some base. Um, Goblins is a definite possibility as far as it being a contender. I wouldn't put a lot of money on it, but I definitely say it's going to make it there. Doctor Jeeves, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to break. It. I'm going to predict that the new breakout deck is going to be Poison, and I am basing that on the fact that uh, I've been testing exten- uh, extended heavily and haven't had time to pay attention to standard, so I have no educated guess. What kind of poison do you think they're going to run? Is it going to be straight black? Is it going to be blue-black? Is it going to be a black-green? What do you think could the combination be of it? Um, I don't know. If, I, if what I'm serious about people running poison, I, <clears throat> I would imagine it would be green-black. Um, green actually did get some solid infect guys like the uh, the new Sex Monkey. Mm-hmm. But, no, nah, I don't know. I, I just haven't been following standard, unfortunately, so I get nothing for this. Okay. Uh, 
the one deck that I think that might surprise people that'll come out possibly in Paris only because my gut feeling is is that by this next podcast we could be staring at a contender for the mighty Jace the Mind Sculptor price and that will be the Tezzeret deck. I think you're going to see multiple versions of it. And safe to say that Tezzeret, I think, will be heading up to at least the $50, $60 range probably after this weekend. See, I really don't want to decry that because I see the applications for that card. But at the same time, I just every time I hear somebody say that the Tezzeret deck can make it, I just laugh. I don't know why. There's just something about that card that just, I don't know. It's Yes, it can impulse. Yes, it can turn big poisonous guys into beaters via Blink Moth, I mean, uh, Ink Moth Nexus, but at the same time, just no. I don't see how that deck's going to make it. Jack, I will make a bold prediction that you will see at least one of the top eight decks be running Tezzeret. So what you're really making a bold prediction as is that I'm going to be eating crow by the end of this weekend. Yes. Copious and, amounts of black feathers taken and, out of my mouth. And, and the other card that you will see in generous amounts in every black deck from here until it's out of the thing is Go for the Throat. Um, the black-red vampires that we'll talk about later on uh, at Indy, the Indy coverage, ran Go for the Throat. and Boy, that made life so much easier to destroy other vampires. Um, I was talking to somebody about that uh yesterday on Twitter, and this might be something interesting that might or may not be applied. With Go Through the Throat, Abyssal Persecutor now becomes a playable card again. Because well, is Abyssal logic. Persecutor not playable? Well, it's hard to remove it. It's not as easy to remove. Now, for two, you can remove it. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there's ever been a shortage of ways to get rid of it, though. I think there's just been a shortage of decks that wanted to run it. I don't know. Just, I just, I don't know. I just, somebody was talking to me about it and it kind of clicked in my head and I thought, you know what? That might not be a, that could be not a bad idea, but you never know. Well, see, I'm even afraid to say anything about Abyssal Persecutor because John and Medina, like, just pounded my ass about this when I brought it up with fairies. Yeah, well, he had the, uh, almost day two performance, uh, last week, uh, and beating Jerry Thompson. How about that? Giving Jerry T a little uh, lesson on how to play magic from it's our own. Jerry didn't have his hair frosted. I know. Well, you know. See that—that's the key to his wins. He has to actually frost over his locks before he goes to PTQ. Well, I got a feeling he'll be doing that in Paris. So. And I got a feeling that's going to catch up with me one day. But anyways, it might. It might. It might. Um, I know. I know, Mr. Chivas. We made predictions last week, but I will ask you: Who do you think is going to win the battle between Mateon and Nelson? Um, I'm going to say Nelson. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to say that for the, for the sole reason that I hear people talk about him all the time, and I actually know very little about this other guy. Okay. Um, well, like I said, you'll be seeing a lot of Guillaume Matteo in the future. He's uh, in that tight-knit group that that trains together the Juzas and stuff like that of the world that really... They have that tight group over there that really train well and work well together. They're, they are going to be a force to come and many, many pro tours to come. Um, let's see. Release day. Uh, did anybody else go outside of me? You, you, you hear that resounding silence right now? You're going to hear that resounding silence. It's a no. Um, I ran releases. 
releases. I, don't, I never get to play in them. Oh, you ran releases. Okay, well that's good. Uh, what did you see at your releases? What did you see at the release day? Um, anything you see trend wise uh, as far as what people are playing? Were they playing more Infect? Were they playing more Red White Mirrodin? What were you seeing? Uh, it was actually kind of interesting. In our pre-release, we had I thought there was going to be a lot more uh, people choosing mirror packs. We actually had a exactly 50-50 split between what people chose. Hmm. Um, but at the release, I actually saw a lot more in fact running around than I had at the pre-release. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and what won your what won your pre-release or what won your release? Uh, it was actually Poison that won our release. Okay. All right. Yeah. Ironically, I ran a Poison deck because I had ridiculously good cards, and 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 I ran into two games of people hitting absolute nut draws on me, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> so it's quick and painless, but at least I got some good more infect cards out of the deal, so I can't complain. Uh, that was my release. Oof, that was bad. All right, um, there is a new Channel Fireball podcast. Uh, it actually has a name this time. It's called the Hardcast with uh, Tristan and myself. Uh, it's a one hour or less show to learn a little bit about what's going on in Channel Fireball, articles, uh, videos, where, where the Channel Fireball crew is going to be. It's, it's a lot of fun. It goes really fast, uh, amazingly enough. Um, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it, which of course excites me. And, uh, any feedback you have on it is always important. And, it's a lot of fun, and as you'll see this week, Tristan has a very busy schedule. He did Monday Night Magic. He's doing Four Spikes now. He's doing the hard cast with me tomorrow, and then he's off to a PTQ this weekend. So you two are becoming the hardest working punks in podcasting, ain't you? I know. I tell you, you know, and then it's like crazy. But no, he it's it, it's a lot of fun, and it's 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 not that bad. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's only going to get better. So. Hopefully you all enjoy it and listen to it. Um, Star City Games live coverage of Indy. Did anybody else watch it outside of me? Once again, you hear the resounding (laughs) silence there, Robert. Ah, I'm doing real well this week, I can see. Um, (laughs) It was the coverage crew was better this time. I have to give uh, uh, the team a little better credit. Uh, Adrian Sullivan was better the second time around. Was a little more loose. Uh, It seemed like coverage went a lot better. Uh, the results were uh, in the standard that uh, Matthew Landstrom defeated Drew Levin, Drew Levin's Balakoop Ramp playing Black Red Vampires. Uh, the fun thing about it was is that obviously now Black Red Vampires could go for the throat. And what a difference does that make in the mirror matchup? I just I was so impressed by it and how quickly. He just would gun past the Valakut, and Valakut could never get going quick enough to beat him. It was impressive. It was either. It was really impressive. Yeah, but I think Valakut's death has been a long time coming now, honestly. Well, I don't know, Jack. I think you're going to see plenty of Valakut this weekend. Oh, I mean, it's definitely still going to be there. It's still going to be a deck. I'm just saying I think there's more of a balance of power now. Hmm? That's good. I, I I appreciate that. Now, now, Jeebus, you said you run the release and pre-release events. What's being run standard at your store? Uh, we actually don't do standard. Um, though we, it wasn't in our best interest to do it. Pretty much any constructed. The only constructed we do were the game day. Okay. Okay. Um, now you said you're running a little extended. 
Yeah, I'm getting ready for the uh, the Magic Online Championship on Saturday. Okay, I do. You want to give a little insight on what you're running? Uh, I'm actually running. Uh, I borrowed a token stack from Smitty over at the A team. Yes, which is it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, I had been testing. I had tested a couple other things. Some crazy uh, black red one drop deck, which was surprisingly effective. But I had a tendency of losing matches to the die roll, because against things like Valakid, it would just be one turn too slow uh, on the draw. I tried playing with Trap, and I don't know, Extended is actually a pretty unfun format, as it turns out. Uh, there is far, far, far too much Valakid. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Um, is So, the is it green-white tokens? Uh, green-white black. Oh, green white black tokens. Okay, all right, that'll be cool. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I, yeah, it is kind of interesting to see how Smitty's deck ideas turn out to actually be functional when it comes to these tournaments. You know, you, you get the people on here that kind of laugh it off and smirk it off. Well, when he's four owing and three winning stuff, the where does the final laugh go from? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, magic on magic. Itself, uh, Hasbro posted numbers for 2011. Uh, Hasbro's earnings were down 16% in the fourth quarter, but was above Wall Street expectations. And Magic the Gathering's growth has been over 30% from this year to last year between Paper, uh, Magic Online, and Duels of the Planeswalkers. Uh, Magic Online has been a boom uh, for them. Uh, tons and tons and tons of players. Lots of money coming in. Uh does any any idea if you think the money train is going to stop for them anytime soon, or do you think because of the way they're producing things, it's just going to be a continual nice gain here and there? Well, I think you're also glossing over the massive amount of money they've put into marketing lately. Uh, that's true. I mean, the the game is practically everywhere now, and I mean, they're also working on you know put, uh, allegedly putting together a film. So who knows? Oh, I, I fear that. <laughs> I really do. Together a film for about 12 years now. One of these days they'll get it together and off the lot and out of the same guy who wrote Tooth Fairy's Hands. One of these days. See, I don't think, I don't think uh, Hasbro's overall earnings think that is any concern to the health of Magic. I mean, they just need to find, like, Magic is obviously a huge boon for them. They just have to find other things to do because, you know, how many copies of Operation or Monopoly does anyone person need to buy, whereas magic is something that people continually spend money on. That's true. That's very true. I just I think it just shows that that even though in a down economy that people still have money to play something that is, you know, that that drives them as a passion for them. So that's a good thing for them. Um, have you guys seen the professor's video, Anthony Palmero, the professors? Uh, unfortunately, I've been away from the computer lately. Okay. Jeebus? I have not seen that. Either. Okay. Well, it's on blackborder.com, and he's also his stuff's also here on mtgcast.com. Uh, I'd like to uh, say that he's he's really stepped up his game when it comes to this, and I really enjoy seeing his stuff every week. Uh, he also had one about Mirrodin Besieged, and he had all the pros from across the world make comments about Mirrodin Besieged and how it's going to affect different things. And I thought that was fascinating to just see that he is 
doing what it takes to make his podcast, you know, as well produced as, you know, our friends at Channel Fireball, our friends at Star City Games. It's definitely in the running for, you know, one of those two slots. So everybody should check that out. It's very good. Um, they also this week released the You Make the Dual deck for Merit and Pure and New Phyrexia. allows you to design the deck. You can submit up to one deck to each side. Each deck must be 60 cards. The Merit and Pure will be based on Platinum Angel, and the New Phyrexia will be based on uh, Phyrexian Plague Lord. They're the only Mythic rares allowed. No opposite faction cards. Each deck should have 48 rares and 20 to 28 land cards, including a 250-word explanation of the deck. The deadline is midnight Pacific Standard Time on February 13th, and we'll have the details on our show notes. What do you think about uh, Wizards uh, allowing you to design a deck? Hive Mind and Pack of Negation for Mirren. All day long, man. Oh, jeez. Oh, Never thought about that. Um, Jeebus? Uh, I think it's a great idea in theory. Um, I, like, I love the idea of letting uh, giving people the opportunity to design dual decks, especially since, you know, you get something like the Divine vs. Demonic and it was really just like clerics versus imps with an Akrome and Lord of the Pit. Uh, there's certainly a, <clears throat> there's a lot more cards they could be using and a lot of improvements that could be made to these decks. But it's like their end game doesn't really make any sense. Um, obviously in terms of the timeline in order to get these decks, get the deck list from people and judge them, then to actually send them to print, we would already know which side won before they'd ever be able to get it out. But it seems odd that their end game would be a uh, an online only product. Hmm. Interesting. I just I think it's neat that they give you a chance to be a part of it uh, anytime that the community actually gets to feel like they have a chance to participate within it is always a positive. It's always a positive. At least in my book, it's a positive. All right. Um, Jack, you have a new standard deck. Well, it's not necessarily a new standard deck, sir. It's a deck I've been working on for a while. But, but you're going to play. Uh, I guess. You know, I mean, standard exists, and it's this format that's played at my store, so I guess I need to participate in it sometimes. You're going to step out of the comfort box of, of beating, of showing Conley Woods who the better legacy player is. And, uh, of course, the, the comfort box would be my basement where I rarely see daylight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I kind of looked at Cold Author Red, and it's like I was telling you before the show started. Um, standard's cool, but it's not really a format I take seriously just because it, it so rapidly changes all the time. That doesn't interest me. I like seeing how people take old cards and do something with them. Kind of like the freaking awesome Forge Master combo this week uh, that finished in the Legacy portion of Indianapolis. I don't know if anybody caught that. It was sweet. Yes, it uh, did. Yeah, so, like, standard, when it comes to building a standard deck, I, um... I take a very, like, cheap approach to it. I look for whatever deck does something really, really cute and really, really funny. Or I look for a deck that just can't win and just annoys everybody. Because um, I'm very much a troll. So I started looking at Cold Author Red, and I've been talking about it for probably three weeks now. And I finally got around to doing some real testing versus uh, Blue White. And the deck, I mean, it's... I like it, but it's so swingy. Um, I'm still running Goblin Chieftain for a reason that I can't fathom. 
uh, other than it's like Goblin Bushwhacker 5 through 8. And it does get in there, and it does do its portion of the work, and it's great, especially after a resolved Cold Author Rebirth. But the problem is there's this little card called Spell Pierce that exists, and it makes the whole deck kind of suck. So, like, however much work you put into it, like, especially since Cold Author Rebirth reads uh, as an additional cost to sacrifice an artifact... No matter what you're going to do versus control, if you can't resolve that cold author rebirth, you're basically going to be uh, giving them a two-for-one. And, um, I mean, yeah, the deck works. It gets a lot of work in, but it's it's still it's very swingy. And I'm not really a guy for swingy decks. I like decks that perform a certain kind of way. So I've been having some difficulty with it, but hopefully I'm going to get some more uh, testing done on Cockatrice today, which everybody should be trying out, especially if you're a cheap bastard like me. Um, and hopefully I'll learn a little bit more about it this week at FNM. But other than that, I mean, yeah, the deck works. I wouldn't say it's spectacular, but it, it can blow out in your favor many times. What do you think about that, Jeeves? Um, well, I'm just confused. It doesn't sound like a new deck. a little different. I thought I was going to hear awesome new tech. No, no. Well, I mean, I could like put the name in neon lights if that would help. <laughs> Make it flash. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, especially when things like blue black controller and uh, just anything with counter spells is popular. Having a deck that it sounds like you're saying you scoop the counter spells. And it's probably not a good place to be right now. Oh, no, especially, like, with Black Sun Zenith in Standard. Like, I, I mean, the deck loses a lot of credibility in any kind of meta where there's plenty of control. Um, thankfully, our store, we have maybe, out of 16 people, we have one to two people who are actually competitive players. Uh, so the deck has lots of wiggle room, and I get to bash heads with a lot of other creatures. But, I mean, by far, just the fact that there's so many available sweepers in, like, white and black right now, yeah, the, the deck gets punched in the nuts fairly often. Um, Mana Leak being in standard alongside uh, Spell Pierce, like I was saying, I mean, it it's not necessarily that you fold to counter spells, but it makes resolving the namesake of your deck that much more difficult. Um, so I'd definitely say that if you're going to pilot any form of Cold Author Rebirth right now, you should give heavy analysis to your meta before you dare pick it up. And don't take it to a major event. Definitely. So don't take it to Paris? No, don't take it to Paris. I mean, whoever takes it to Paris, I bow to you, sir. You're a far braver man than I am. So what you're saying is, unless your meta is just a room full of little kids that you take pleasure in beating up, don't run this deck. Yeah, unless you just are a masochist and you delight in ruining the dreams of children, don't play the deck. Oh, then I should have one. Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's perfect for me, but... By far, the deck it just it doesn't perform as adequately as a competitive player would like it to. Huh, that's interesting. I, I, if, you know, like I said, it's it's a a very different. Like I said, the game is changing again for the better, obviously, hopefully, uh, and that to see the challenges that are being posed right now is kind of interesting. Um, so what else? Should we be discussing today? Uh, anybody want to make predictions on who's going to do well in Paris this week? The guy taking the cold off the rebirth, uh, clearly. So that one person, the the lone guy who coughed at five hundred dollars and said to himself, "I can really do this." I. So you don't have any predictions on who's going to do well this week? 
Uh, uh, other than the player of the year, I'm not really paying much attention. But I'm interrupting Jeebus. Go ahead, man. No, I wasn't saying anything. I'm going to agree. I, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned with how any individuals do. I'm more interested in what decks do well. Are you are you expecting something new, or are you just you kind of thinking this is going to be standard the way it normally is with a lot of blue-black control and other things like that? No, I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be new stuff. We have a new set, so there has to be. Um, and I know, I feel pretty confident that Black Sun's going to play a big role in, uh, certainly in the event in general, probably in the top eight. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I really have any predictions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think it would be fair to say that Elves is probably going to make an appearance on Jeepus? Um, it'll make it appear in somewhere. I don't know if it's going to make it well, I know there's been a uh, development on it in uh, Extended, especially with like uh, Green Sun Zenith making it essentially a combo deck now. But it's more of a combo deck in name only, really. Well, like I said, it's it's there's it's interesting just to see, you know, what is out there and what could be out there. It, it it's tough because, like I said, there's no. Nobody's really talking about anything, and for obvious reasons that you don't really want to be discussing before a major tournament if you're, you know, changing or going into something that's unique. I just think it's I think it's interesting that um, there's been a lot of like before every major tournament there's been a lot of real group testing. But if you notice this weekend at the Star City Games event. Uh, what did you guys think about what Jerry Thompson did about having the people pick what his deck was going to be? <laughs> um, I think it was rather egotistical, honestly. Really? That, that, yeah, that's not just me hating on Jerry Thompson. Um, that's just me being, once again, just a, a hateful spite monger, I guess. It's really cool that he's trying to interact with people through his Twitter page, uh, through his page, but at the same time, that's to me, that's almost saying, hey, I'm good enough to where I can win with anything. Well, he did kind of say that he had tested most of this stuff really well when he was on the A-team and that he felt confident in whatever whatever they were going to give him to play that he felt confident he would do well with. So, I mean, I guess if you want to say it that way, yeah, but he did have a favorite that he was hoping to get. But, you know, it is interesting. I just think it's it's all it's almost like saying, let me take a random deck and see how I do in a, in a major tournament. <laughs> um. Now, is there anything you would like to discuss tonight? You said you were joking online with us on Twitter that you wanted to talk about fat packs. Jeebus? I said that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When did I say that? All right. That was about two days ago, man. Yep. You did. Oh. But yeah, I, to- I totally forgot about that. Oh my god, fucking bad. Uh, there we go. So all you have to do is bring up something that I'm angry about. Yes. <laughs> you, need to, you, said, you said, I need a venue to bitch about fat packs. Here's your venue. Yeah, I, I said it slipped my mind. Yeah, the fat packs are getting out of control. Um, I There was probably an announcement, and I dismissed it, but for anyone who doesn't know, fat packs are now up to nine packs each. Um, since there's a new pack in it, that means the price had to go up as well. Uh, so now buying a fat pack with nine packs costs, it's about 40% of the cost of a box. Or significantly less than 40% of the box. 
you know, you're looking at like thirty eight, forty dollars uh, just to get a freaking pad pack. I'm like, no, that's that's way too much. Just, oh, I uh, agree. That's ridiculous, man. They're they're just on the way is, at this point to making it where a fat pack is uh, you know, one hundred forty three sixty four and comes with thirty six booster packs in it. Well, but it'll come with a Saran Wrap uh, pack of basic lands. We got to keep that in mind. That's quite the value. It's true. I argue with that. I don't know. I just remember when these things first came out. It was like three booster packs in a book, and I think they were like fifteen bucks or something. Well, people don't care about the books anymore. Just giving like they need to be making these smaller and cheaper, not bigger and more expensive. Getting I concur. Drops, like six packs, the die, the basic land, and the little storage box. Like twenty five bucks. Oh, that's interesting. I, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I, I think you're right on that. I think it would be very interesting to see if they would do something like that because you're reaching to more people that way. You're getting the kid, you know, the fifteen year old kid that might have twenty bucks in his pocket, and instead of taking, instead of spinning the wheel and you know, buying packs and maybe getting nothing. At least he'd get a fat pack, he'd get a die, he would get other stuff that would at least be good to, you know, work with as far as a deck goes. Which, in my opinion, is kind of what the point of the fat packs were in the first place. It's for the more casual player to just reach up and say, hey, I got a little bit of extra money. Instead of buying one pack, why don't I get a fat pack? I mean, for people that have real jobs, at the price they are now, buying a box is not that much more of a leap. But it's... It's definitely not more than a lead. I mean, if you're willing to spend $40 at once, you may as well, because I assume you're going to buy more than just one fat pack from a set, so you may as well just, you know, save up so you have the $40 twice, and then, I mean, that's practically a box at that point. Or I guess if you can get a good enough deal, that might even be a box. But they need to, they need to send it more in the direction of, like, the, uh, the deck builder's toolkit. So, like, 20 bucks for four packs, and basically, and then a bunch of commons and uncommons, which aren't even crappy. They're like multiple lightning bolts and uh, trading over it with and doom bolts and stuff. Like, oh, that's would you be for them just completely phasing out fat packs in favor of the deck builder's toolkit, Jeebus? Uh, if, if I had to choose one of those two, absolutely. I would much rather only see the uh, deck builder's toolkit. So, uh, since you work at a store, mm-hmm. what, what sells more? Fat packs, I don't know, when a set first comes out, fat packs sell well. Um, I mean, the toolkits, the toolkits do all right. We don't bring that many of them in at a time, um, so it's kind of hard to say. Um, but the, the toolkits were definitely reaching their demographic. They were getting, you know, new players and young players who might have 20 bucks. And, you know, it, it, they seemed to really enjoy it as well, and it, it was definitely like a nice gateway drug for them. Um but the fat packs, you know, you'll get traditional sales when the set first come out, and then they just sit there forever until pretty much, or actually just forever, unless it's something like World Wake, where, you know, the boxes are, I don't even know what they are, I think they're like $170 or something, something outrageous. Well, they, uh, also, they also talked about the Rise of the Eldrazi stopping being made, too, now. There's no more Rise of the Eldrazi. So what what do you what when you did your uh, release and pre uh, you did your release and pre release what is the average uh, 
count of people where you're at? How many people come up and show up for those? Um, well, the average for every single day changes. We did two pre-releases and two releases. Mm-hmm. And all, like, the first day of the pre-release is the biggest. And then through all four uh, consecutive days of seals, obviously not actually consecutive, but through the four events, it just becomes less and less people each time. Um, which, which makes sense, you know, people are trying to get the cards and people are much less interested in the release and the pre-release in general. Um, but for, for our bigger, like the first pre-release we do, we had 26 this time. Um, which is, it's a little less than I wanted, but still decent, uh, for the site, so, yeah. Now, what, what have been, what have people been asking for, trading for, uh, that you're, you're seeing Move in and out of the sun. Um, no real surprises, actually. Um, I mean, like, the friends and Tesserets sell pretty much as fast as we get them. Mm-hmm. I just got some stuff in today. I opened uh, a couple boxes for the store today. We got a couple of each of them, and they were both sold for an hour. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it's it, Again, it's, it's just the stuff you expect, like the big ticket cards. Um, like when a set's new, those things sell immediately. And also some of like the very obvious casual cards, like Consecrated Springs. Um, that EDH players came in. That was one of the first things that were grabbed. Uh, surprisingly, not Freighter's Council. That one I'm shocked that they haven't been picking up. But. Well, this, is, this has been a question that has been proposed uh, to people, is that there is going to be a world post-Titans. And does Consecrated Sphinx then substitute for the Blue Titan? I would imagine not. You think they're going to come up with something better? Or are they just going to go to Worm Coil? I, th- I think you just go to Worm Coil. It's like, I mean, the Titans, they come in and they do something, regardless of what happens to them. And then with, like, the Blue Titan in particular, it comes in and then it's, it, you know, God forbid they give it actual shroud, but at least it's kind of hard for them to get rid of. You know, they need the two extra home right now. Like, uh, I, I just don't think see the Sphinx Stone that rule. It'll come in and someone will go for the throat and that'll be the end of it. Whereas the Rum Call, you know, they get rid of it and at least there's still something left there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with splitting it up into two more creatures. Twelve for six is good for me. Yeah. Anytime one card gives you multiple creatures, it's pretty much always good. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the uncommon that people have been talking about a lot outside of Go for the Throat has been Spear of the Suns. The one that allows you to come with three counters or move a charge card or to add one color of any mana. Uh, your thoughts on that, uh, Jack? Um, to be honest, I've not actually played with it enough, and considering this is the first time I've even dared to look at Standard in two years, um, I really can't give any comments or thoughts on it. I mean, I'm sure its applications are there, especially with decks like Mono Blue Control, which have been right there, like, with their hands wrapped firmly around Tier 2's throat. Um, but the problem is, I just don't know if it would give it enough of a push to actually put it over the edge. Jeebus? I think it's a great card for Limited. Um, I don't know that it's going to go further than that. I was actually shocked to see the foils are going for, like, five bucks, which is uh, ridiculous. I mean, it's, in terms of standard, like, I can't imagine any deck that would want that instead of ever flowing Chalice. Uh, I, d- I don't know that anyone's trying to stretch their mana base that far right now. 
that doesn't already have other options anyway, um, between the plethora of dual lands and birds and such. And then you have the limited uses out of it, so unless you're running uh, proliferate or something, it's, it's only a temporary, if you are running proliferate, you're even better off with channels at that point. Oh, that's true. That is very, very true. I, I've seen, uh, I've seen games of chalices where chalices have hit, you know, double digits with mana, and it's like you're staring at it, going, "It does. It gives you ten. Oh yeah, like amazing. Um, the I've been I've been looking at some cards and wondering about what you guys think of it because I know a lot of people have gone over them already but we really haven't on Mana Screwed so I think it's kind of fun that we actually have someone who actually does deal in the cards which is also nice to know uh, wh- what do you think about Contested Warzone Jeebus? I personally don't like it um, not, which isn't to say it's a bad card but it's very much against my play style um, I'm, I'm more of a control player um, I will say, at least from the business end, the price has gone up significantly. Um, you know, I think they were like a buck or two bucks when the set came out, and they're up to like five or six dollars now. So someone out there likes it. And I know there'll definitely be a deck for it, but, uh, and, you know, anything to pump your creatures that they can't counter, like, sometimes that extra damage is enough, but just personally, I'm not, I'm not a fan. But I know there will be decks that use it, and people do seem to like it at the moment. You're not a big fan of giving up your mana once you use it? Well, the decks that's good against probably aren't going to attack you. And then, even if they do, like, you use the one land, but it's not like they're ever going to use it. Because, you know, they steal it from you, it's already tapped. And then you're just taking it back the next turn, because any deck that's running that is obviously going to be hitting for combat damage every turn. It wasn't just like that one time. Understandable, understandable completely. I... Like I said, it's it's interesting. I just I've been noticing that there's been some major price, uh, not major, but price fluctuation. Here's the thing that I've been wondering about: since there aren't too many home run cards in this set, I mean ones that are you know outside of uh, the ink mouth nexus that's going for double digits and the sword that's going for double digits and Tezzeret that's going for double digits, uh, the rest of them are hanging around that five dollar mark or less. I, what is the incentive to buy a pack? Fun. Well, I know, but but if you could spend four bucks on a pack, or four bucks to get the exact creature you need. Well, I mean, for a lot of people like me, like I just love opening packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm a compulsive gambler or something, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think the value in this set's any worse than values in other sets. Um, but, I, for, you know, if you play strictly competitive, then I don't think there's any set where it's worth it for you to go out and buy boxes. You just go out and buy the singles you need. Um, if you're also a casual player, then I think the incentive for buying uh, packs of this is that, with the exception of Magnetic Mine, every single rare in the set is playable in casual or EDH. So you know, even if you don't get like the Tesseret or the Throne or the Sword, I think um, uh, Green Sun Zenith is uh, double digits as well, or same close. I mean, it's like nine fifty. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you don't get those, like you're still getting cards you can use. You know, you're not opening up uh, like one with nothing or something. 
not awful like that. Yeah, I, I know. I looked at that magnetic mine and I tried to figure out who would play this card and why. I My mean, friends I, play it, and because I have a card EDH deck that they hate. Oh, okay. <laughs> Beyond that's that, plenty of reason. Okay. Yeah. Aside from, like, an EDH sideboard card, like a Golden Wish target or something. Oh, jeez. So, no I guess, I guess my thought was is that you could, I mean, if you really wanted to do some bizarre casual play, I guess you could use liquid metal coating and artifact destruction and just, you know, that, 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 and try to do it that way to destroy your opponent's stuff. But why would you go through all the work? Yeah, do <laughs> bad things do. But... Yeah. Well, Steph to do things like that normally. But, um, just one quick comment, actually, back to contested quotes. Um, because I think it is actually important to note, even though, again, I personally don't like the card. Um, we're at the point, you know, it's a week or two after a week. And, uh, this is the point when all of the prices start to be You know, pre, uh, pre-sale prices are normally inflated because everyone wants to make sure they get their cards, you know, before the entire world supply disappears. And with Tezzerite, everyone wants to make sure they get it before it turns out to be 100% J's. Um, so we're, we're at the point in the set where every single card starts to plummet in value. So I think the fact that that card's actually going up is it's definitely something to take note of. If you have a bunch of them, it might be worth holding onto a place set of them if you do like playing aggro decks, because it's, it's going to do something. I'm not sure. Okay. I, I just think it's interesting. I just like I said, I, I I'm always into anything that involves the money aspect of it. And that's just a personal thing. Um, Jack, is there anything else you'd like to talk about this week? Uh well I would like to say a few things regarding contested warzone. Okay. Yeah. The card, if you're wondering what deck to put it in, has definite applications in Mad Nuts aggro. But after that, I mean, there's no real reason to run it. The only reason the card would even be in something like Cold Author Red or White Weenie Quest or anything like that is it does, does give you that much more of an edge versus control. And uh, the way many of the, the really out there uh, crazy aggro decks are being built right now, you have to win before turn four because, like I was saying earlier, there's plenty of sweepers available to several colors right now. So you really got to get your work in there. Um, other than that, I mean, the card has uh, no real applications. It is a very good card. It's not bad, but it's also one that you have to know how to play very, very well before you put in your deck. Um, by all means, it is not worth running more than three. That is true, but boy, talk about giving the giving yourself an advantage. I mean, oh, if yeah. you give attacking creatures three zero, you know. I oh mean, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely crazy, but you have to play it extremely carefully. And I mean, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, there's certain decks that already have built-in defenses versus it because I mean, like stuff like Cogo can't just swing with. Uh, Squadron Hawk and take control of your mana. So you, ha- you have to be very, very careful. But most of those decks, also, their creatures do not have haste, unlike your deck, which uh, that's really the sole reason you're playing Contested Warzone. Um, so just once again, anybody that's daring to look at the card, uh, give it serious consideration before you uh, lay it down on the field. Also, definitely don't... You can't... Like you mentioned, you know how Cargo can just swing with a Hawk and steal it. Like, if you're ever planning on using it more than once, uh, you're probably building wrong. Oh yeah, it's no, it's it's like a heart charm or something. Like it's just 
it's plus one plus oh to let it turn for all your guys and it can't be countered. And that's it. And it will never do anything again. It, it may as well just be a sorcery or an instant instead of a land. Because you're using it once and then it's gone. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think it's, like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see if it's even used this weekend. I highly doubt it, but it would be interesting. Uh, even, in, what about in the, uh, uh, Boros version of deck? Would that fit, or is that gonna take a slot that should be used for a dual, uh, dual land or something? Um, I think Boros already has enough going on for it, um, but there's no, I mean, they could always run one or two copies of, cause there's no harm in that really. But the deck definitely already has enough consistency and resilience to um, finish off. I mean, it's by far it's better than Cold Author Red, and I, th- I would even say it's much better than White Weenie Quest um, because it's already got the swords and stuff like that to protect it and uh, finish off your opponent. So Contested Warzone is almost unnecessary. I can agree with that. I have been, like I said, I've been flipping through the cards and trying to figure out what is going to... I'm trying to find something different out there. I mean, I keep thinking that somehow blue-white control might run White Sun Zenith, but I don't know. That just seems, I don't know if that'll work either. It's like there's just lots of things I've been looking at to see if maybe the one that someone will use the pithing needle on legs uh, to stop Chase the Mind Sculptor. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not really sure. I've been, like I said, I've been trying to pull lots of thoughts together before this because I think, I think it's always kind of neat to be the person who is one step ahead with the rest of the, you know, of the crowd saying, hey, look at this one might work. This card might work to be able to actually have something like that. Um, Phyrexian Revoker probably will never see play in the current standard. No. However, it'll definitely have play in Legacy. Really? They, yeah, there are other formats that are already looking at this thing and giving it much discussion. Um, as far as standard, it definitely should have been Pithy Needle by miles and miles and miles. And that card is just unflavored enough to where they could have reprinted it. But um, that being said, yeah, like, Phyrexian Revoker is a main deck option for you if you want to shut down uh, certain cards in other formats. So. Hmm. Think about that. What do you think, Jeebus? I definitely agree it's going to be playing older formats. Um my, my biggest issue with it in standard is that it doesn't shut land off. That's a, that's a huge deal for me for, you know, for picking needle effect and where we have so many man lands running around. Yep. What's it going to shut off besides, like, there are the lands you're going to want to shut off, and then there's a Jace, and, like, maybe a sword or something, like a dog collar. There's, there's not a whole, there's just not enough stuff in standard, I think, that you need to shut off. The stuff that you want to shut off, you can't. Hmm. I, yeah, it's standard. It just it doesn't matter, and there's far too much stuff that hits it. I found out. I found out today. Just I found out today. I thought it was quite interesting that uh, uh, an EDH general, since or I'm sorry, commander general, uh, that uh, really goes off well is, um, and I'm totally blowing it. Nicol Bolas. I got a Nicol Bolas played on me on turn four. He had all the colors and played Nicol Bolas on turn four. And is this the old school legends Nicol Bolas? Yes. No, no, not the, no, 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 no. Yeah, he had that as his general. He played the new Planeswalker version on turn four on me. Yeah, it's a punch in the nuts, that's for sure. That card's just not fun. 
I'm just staring at it. I'm counting up his mana, and I'm like, do, 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 do. he taps this, untap. Wow. I mean, there was nothing I could do. You, but that's how ADH is, though, Robert. I mean, it's the monster truck format. It's all glats and glimmer, and you get lots of scary good crap out. But that was turn four. <laughs> I mean, no, that's, that's that's actually that's, pretty common, seriously. Um, and, and you have, you know, believe it or not, like, you would think most people would just use Marari's Wake or uh, Mana Reflection. But lots of people actually do run Mana Flare and Heartbeat Spring so that their opponents can play that shit turn four. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just how the format goes. It just it just floored me. I just I saw that, and he put the thing down, and I'm just staring at it going, hmm. We need to play online more often, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, probably that would be correct. I and oh, I just downloaded. I, oh, go ahead. I was just to say, I'm gonna say you do not need to play online. EDH online, like at first it seemed like a good idea, but it's it's just awful online. It's nothing but combo decks. Uh, a lot of people don't even like talk during the games, and you know it's a casual format. Like most of the part, not well. Yeah, I'm even gonna say most of the part is just like sitting around with people talking. The game is just kind of ancillary. Yeah, like how many turns have you spent just BSing with one another, right? Yeah. I have my general. It's Omnath. Omnath that gets the plus one, plus one, and keeps the mana. That that's I've always wanted to run that in a green, just a straight green deck. It's perfect for EDH. It's casual. It's fun. You know, you don't have to really think about it. You know, you just keep putting cards in there that work, and eventually it gets to your big fatties. So, I don't know, that's that's what I was doing. I've seen people with all these crazy generals and do all this combination stuff, and you stare at it and go, wow. That's Christ, impressive. I don't know anybody on this network that would run a crazy combo deck. Mm, no. Not I. <laughs> no, definitely not you. No, 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 no. No, no, because you're the nice guy on the show. Uh, yeah, I, I play Feldegriff and love just giving people good compliments when they make a misplay. You could you could have done better, I know, but I have faith that you'll do it next turn. We actually have someone at our store who does stuff like that. It's so annoying, oh. and it to- it totally puts people on tilt. Well, he doesn't he doesn't compliment them like he w- if his opponent's going to do something wrong, he will actually tell his opponent what to do. He'll be like, no, be like, no, that's wrong. This is how you beat me. But, uh, that doesn't put people <laughs> on that I gotta admit is an interesting way to approach it. Hi, congratulations! This is how you stop me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the same person who'll be like, "Oh, you know, it's just, I have a seven land hand, but I'll keep it." And then if you say a comment like, "Oh, you know, I don't believe you or whatever," he'll then like tilt his hand down so you can see, like, "Oh, he's holding seven mountains." So often does he win? Yeah, a lot. Uh, normally not when he keeps the seven land hands, but. uh... <laughs> Sincerity and kindness. There we go. That's some secret tech right there. It's interesting. Um, there's there's actually a card in the uh, speech that I want to talk about just because, like, no matter what I say or think, it's never going to see play, but it should because it's a good card. Okay. Um, Mitotic manipulation. Hmm. I'm right alongside you. Looking it up, I guess. But uh. I mean, so, um, for those listening, it's uh, blue sorcery, costs one and two blue. You look yeah. at the top seven cards of your library, you put one of those onto the battlefield, if it has the same name as a 
power man ends, and then the rest on the bottom. And it's basically it's worst case scenario. It's a blue mana uh, uh, rampant growth. Like yeah, it costs three, not two, but it comes into play untapped. So you're it's only you're only that uh, that loss of two mana, and there's the chance that you know you get something much better than a land out of it. I guess if you would uh, combine that with Jace and brainstorm your way to having to make sure that at least the card you're looking for is on top. Robert, you disappoint me. There's also Crystal Ball. You can't forget that. And Preordain. True, but, you know, I look at the big ticket things, you know, the stuff that the pros would play, you know. Not, not us people that can't afford to play that stuff, you know. Yes, because Preordain is not seeing play in any standard never. extended decks right now at never. all. Never, 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 never. That's only I mean, that's only a blue. Come you on. don't even to stack your deck with this. Though. I mean, like people don't stack their deck before they cast uh, Summoning Trap. Although it's also not a good analogy because that with, you, with that you need to hit something big. I mean, when you, the control matchup is all about getting mana out. You know you trying to excel with things like Everflowing Chalice and making sure it's drawing cards so you never miss a land drop. And the control versus control mirror, it's always just, or almost always, whoever gets more land wins. They but, don't have to stop the land. But what are you taking out for that card? Oh, I haven't gone that far yet, unfortunately. Oh, okay, okay, I was going to say. Because, I mean, everything right now is if you're taking something, if you're putting something in, you have to be willing to take something out that's a part of the deck already, a part of the control deck, you know, and that is a three-mana slot, and there are a lot of things at the three-mana slot that's, you know, currently available. So that's going to be the tough part is, you know, having to make the decision of what am I taking out in its place. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a consideration, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's a card that... Again, I, once I stop focusing on extended after this weekend, I'll actually have a chance to look at standard and see if there is a home for this somewhere. But I don't know. I also, can, even though it technically costs three man, I do only consider it a two drop uh, since you do get a land back on tab. Well, potentially get a land back on tab if you're not getting one. Then you've got something significantly better. Um, you obviously know that uh, uh, from the Vault Legends is coming out. Yes. Correct. What do you think is going to be potentially in it? Um, it's actually kind of funny you ask. That's um, that's the article I'm writing for next week for Quiet Speculation. Okay. Uh, do I want to? Why don't you give me one card out of it that you think is going to be in there, and then we'll we'll save it for the rest of the article that we need to read next week. Okay. Um, it's going to take me a second. I'm like what about what about um, an old favorite like Solonar the Swamp King? I would say probably not that. Okay. I, well, I, th- I think the most interesting thing to try and figure out what it's going to be is like what the big ticket item is going to be. Uh, that would be interesting. And honestly, there are very few choices. Um, the vast majority of legends are not that expensive. Because um, most of them don't see play anywhere beyond the DH, and they are in plentiful supply. But uh, this is strictly done for EDH only. You know, it's, I mean, this is strictly an EDH set. I mean, you're not buying it for anything else. You know, you're buying it for EDH only. I mean, you. 
I mean, I can't see anybody else. Well, I shouldn't... All right, let me rephrase that. I don't disagree that people will be buying it strictly for EDH, but I don't think they're going to be marketing it strictly for EDH. Yeah. Like, I... As much as people want to see, like, TGGD in there as, like, you know, the model Red Legend, which isn't to say that we can't have two, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see something like Squee in there, which I don't think anyone in their right mind would use as a general. Um, but it certainly has applications elsewhere. Because I think they're going to try and, you know, reach out to more than just the EDH market. What about Teferi? Teferi's undoubtedly in it. Yeah, we have our work for Teferi. He's definitely in there. Okay, um... Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I apologize. What about um, this? Is one that that I I had once, but for some reason I it got away from me. Um, I think it's Hannah. Hannah Ship Navigator. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. Okay. All right. There's, there aren't a whole lot that just flat out aren't possible. Um, I would think anything that's been reprinted too recently or already been. From the vault, so like Michael Bolas will be in there, um, and obviously the like, I think like sixty or seventy of them that are on the reserve list, which can't be. And you don't think Kiki Jiki's going to be in there? I'm not saying I don't, um, but I think I, w- I wouldn't actually be surprised if they did something like Squee instead, just to try and broaden uh, broaden their demographic. Okay, okay. I just I was just curious because it's like. You know, I, I'm trying to come up with cards I think that might work. Um, the, uh, the only other card I could think of, and I apologize if I butcher this, I think it's Memnarch. Memnarch? Yeah, that's the... Uh, Wizard I, Legend? I would imagine he'll actually probably be in there. Okay. Or at least there's a very good chance. Yeah. There aren't any other. I mean, they just did Karn. They're going to want to have an artifact one. Dominark also is good to have as an artifact one to showcase the new rules change. Okay, I just I was just curious if there was, uh, um, and then I guess the only other one I can think off the top of my head that that I think might work, but I don't think it would it is might be in there is um, Darkon. I'm actually looking at my old Darkon stuff. Bla- Darkon Blackblade. Yeah, the one that gives you uh, number to equal lands you control. It's power and toughness. I mean, that would be a fun card, but the problem is it's in black and blue and white, and, you know... Yeah, it's in colors, and it's been reprinted in a single color, which is none of those. Um, I mean, there's... Well, other than the fact that that's now, like, strictly green, um, there's no reason they couldn't do that, but I'd just be pissed, because I know that they'd use a new black Okay, I was just curious because I mean that is something that fascinates me to see what they think about that because I mean it it would be nice to actually you know have that have those kind of legends out there to play because I mean like like we talked about earlier it is very it's a very fun format to play and you know you can sit with a group of friends and you can have a real good time with this and be able to do stuff. That you could never do. I mean, you know what I mean? You can pop off combinations. You can just do crazy stuff. You know, have fun with the board. And, you know, everybody can kind of laugh about it and have a real good time with it. You know, I just, 
I would love to have the, the ability to have the time to make one, but you know, I just think it's a lot of fun because from what I hear from people, it's just it's a lot of fun to see that go and uh, be able to use the cards that you hadn't been able to use in a long time. Um, I'm curious because you mentioned all these different legends, you know, asking if you thought there were possibilities. Yeah. Um, you didn't bring up anyone actually from uh, Three Kingdoms. No. I was expecting that was actually where a lot of them were going to be coming from. Is that um, because of the black, because of the listing of the black border? Well, for I mean, they're in very short supply. People do really like these. There's a lot of legends from the set. Yeah, but do they want to give up? I mean, that's cutting into retailers' profit margin. They don't really care about the second market. Yeah. Uh, they, they care about it only so far as that they don't want to piss off retailers to the point where they will no longer carry the products. Um, but it's not their job to... Uh, moderate secondary market prices. Mm. Um, I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have uh, printed the Zerg. Yeah. Or the ones that on that. The same thing with, like, freaking uh, Stionic Glass was, like, $40 for an unlimited. Now they're like, I think, the, uh, maybe, 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 probably even less. The time drifted ones are, like, 2 bucks. Um, but, I mean, there are, even with the hundreds of legends they've printed, like, there has to be a big ticket item in the, in the front of the wall. There has been. Yes. Always. This for decades. Um, and even with all the legends out there, uh, I haven't, I haven't finished going through the list, but so far, Free Kingdom seems to be the only place that actually has any legends worth anything. Okay, that's good, because, I mean, that's something to remember, because then when it does get officially released, we can actually say yes, and Jeebus had the correct answer on this. I have it down to two, which I think it will be for the big ticket item. We don't want to spoil your article, because we want, you know, we all want to read your article this week. Um, well, guys, it's been, it's over the hour mark already, and I am doing my best to try to keep myself at an hour to an hour and a half at the most of these shows, because where we get the most complaints is when they become these two-plus-hour marathons that we end up dwelling into. So, on that note, um, um, let's let's say our goodbyes and say where we can all be reached. And uh, I will start with you, Dr. Jeebus. Oh, well, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, you can reach me. At, I'm on Twitter all the time. It's uh, Dr. Gr underscore Jeebus, J-E. On Twitter, I am there constantly uh, yelling at people. Or yelling at life in general. Your out. tweets are honestly the only thing that keep me sane some days. Twitter's <laughs> <laughs> been pretty dead lately, though. It's it's very disappointing. Now, I used to I used to be able to kill like five hours a day at work arguing with people. I don't know. Everyone's given up or something. But uh, so you can be reached on Twitter. Um, also on SidLexia.com uh, is where my blog is hosted. And now you can also find me on FiveSpeculation.com. Excellent. Jack, where can they reach you at? All right. The best way to get a hold of me is send all your hate mail, love mail, poetry, which is very strange that I've been getting that lately, 
Um, nude and- photos, whatever. Like you can reach me at jack at mtgcast.com. I also frequently am on Twitter at Jack LaCroix. Um, I don't argue with people quite as much, uh, usually because I'm busy posting up links to my blog, which is very much not safe for work, so view that at your own discretion. Okay, and you can reach me on Twitter as under the Beamy. Uh, our email is massscrewed at gmail.com. We also have a, a Google phone number if you want to leave us messages at, even though against Jack's better wishes. It's uh, 414-502-7279. Uh, leave us comments, thoughts, messages, anything magic-related, and we will get to your messages. And on that note, I would like to thank everyone for listening, and let's all say goodbye, everybody. Adios.